the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. This is a fascinating passage because he's basically saying God created salt to do certain things, right? To preserve, to add flavor. And if it ceases to do those things, it is no longer any good. Now, I want to take that image and start kind of broad. It's going to feel a little bit like an like a inspirational sermon, right? And then we're going to get more and more specific. Sound good? So stick with me, because in the beginning, you're going to feel like you're a little bit on Oprah, okay? Like, you have potential, and you have potential, and you have potential. Well, you guys are all supposed to start clapping, you know, and yeah, and you have potential, exactly. But seriously, God created you to be you. Have you ever thought about that? Like, we didn't get to choose pre-birth our attributes, right? Because I want to do something for you. It's not, I want to do something to you is more the right way to put this, okay? Now, you guys saw John was so beautiful back here. All right, let's, let's see. Which song should I play? Do you feel worshipful? I'm going to go talk. Chris, is, you're at the worship table afterwards, right? <laughs> Can you get rejected for a worship team? My goodness. You don't want that. This is why, by the way, I know heaven is not us just sitting on clouds playing harps. Because you don't want to be there with me. Bad news. But God did create me to do certain things. God created me to look the way I look, <laughs> to be born in the time I was born in, to have the parents that I have. And that formed me to be a certain type of person. And so I think you can sort of almost rethink of this passage as saying, if Phil loses his Philness, what good is Phil anymore? Right? If Jim loses his Jimness, if Dave loses his Daveness. If Eric loses Ericness, if Dawn loses her Dawnness, God created you to be you. So as we're talking about stewardship, what it means to be an owner, to be a part of this body of Christ, to be here today, is we need you to be you. Which is sort of twofold, meaning you need to get to know yourself a little bit, and then you need to be honest with who you are and live into being that person. But we live in a culture that is set up to always try and make you be or look like someone else. So John said a few minutes ago wisely, blessed are those who are not on social media, for they shall more likely be who God created them to be, right? Because have you seen the commercial of the girl, she's laying on the couch, right? And she's got her uh, iPhone and uh, she like messes her hair, right? And she is like fixing it. And it's clear that she's been awake for a while, and she takes a selfie and posts, oh, you know, lazy mornings, right? But she just made herself look like she woke up, when in reality, she's put on makeup, she's done her hair. She's telling you a certain story through that picture to send a certain image. Now, this is twofold. On the one side, this poor girl has been told 
You must look a certain way or nobody wants to see you. So we can criticize her for what she's doing, but actually she's accepting the story she's been told that who you are in and of yourself isn't good enough. Unless you portray yourself in this way, then you will be loved, then you will be noticed, then you will be cared for. Now this isn't to say don't try and make yourself look nice, but it is a question, why do we do it? What is our hope in what we're doing. But then the second side of it is when we're on social media or looking at the news or watching TV or even interacting with people, we can sometimes get the idea of, I am not enough if I don't make that much money, if I don't vacation in this place, if I'm not at this level in my job, if I don't look like this, if I don't have a certain number of followers. Culture tells us you aren't good enough unless blank. And the point of what Jesus is saying is, no, I created you and you are loved simply because I created you and you are loved. Not because of anything in and of yourself that you gave yourself, but everything has been given to us as a gift. And so if we lose our who we are-ness in order to try and be someone else, that actually is poor stewardship. Because the idea of the salt actually goes one step further. So here we're going to kind of hone in a little bit. So that was the Oprah part, okay? You feeling good? Awesome, good. I wish I could give you each a car, you know, but you can talk to the leadership team who told me that's not in the budget. Don't blame me, right? No, but to get a little bit more specific, this, we are not just made to be salt for ourselves. The idea here is you are the salt of the world or for the world. That we actually exist as a church in order to renew, to act justly, to share with the world the good news of what God is doing. It is a function. So however God created you to be individually, Paul tells us when we are in Christ, we are a new creation, that we become ambassadors of reconciliation which means that how you live is representative of God to others. So we each have a job to take in, uh, as, to be renewers of all things, which we talked about a few weeks ago, right? That it doesn't matter if you're an engineer, a stay-at-home parent, a retiree, a teacher, a gas station attendant. God created you to be you, and we all are invited to share in this mission of loving other people. But the world doesn't define success in that way again, right? So here's again how we sort of get into, if you are living for love and justice, that's probably not going to make you the most popular person in the room, which I think we've all experienced over the last few months, that when you say, hey, we're going to help homeless people, you become what? The target. This is probably why Jesus said that the way is narrow and few actually choose that way because it's hard because it isn't easy if it was the easiest route to go then everyone would do it but when you live out your saltiness for the sake of serving someone else you're probably not going to be the most famous you aren't going to have the most people looking at you you may not make the most money this is why jesus should come with a uh, <laughs> with a warning label like it uh, makes me think about taking medication right it can be good for you, but in the case of Jesus, side effects include being thrown in a pit, being thrown in jail, being thrown off a cliff, 
being thrown in a den of lions, being thrown into a fire, being stoned, being poor, being hungry, being hunted down, being cursed, or in not so rare occasions, being dead. Right? It's not a rare side effect to be killed for being a person who lives out justice, mercy, grace, love. That's why Jesus says it's a narrow way. It's the hard way. But the good news of it is as much as those things can happen, it also opens up a relationship with God. It opens up the opportunity for you to actually be who you were made to be. You see, this is the issue with saying, well, I want to take the wide path and be anybody. But the problem is then deep down inside, actually not that deep, pretty close to the surface, is a gaping hole that's never filled. So you can get a million Twitter followers, and it's not going to be enough. You can make a million dollars, and it's not going to be enough. So it may seem like the easier path, because that's the story that we've been told, is that success, making it, looks like this, and if you're not that, you haven't made it, be uncomfortable and try and be that. And Jesus saying, I have a very different path that's not going to make any sense with that way. However, you will actually discover the peace and joy you're seeking in all those other things. And by the way, you're going to make the world a heck of a lot better place. You're going to help those who are hungry, those who are prisoners, those who are sick, those who have nobody to listen to what they have to say. You're going to find meaningful, true relationships, and part of that whole will be filled, not by what you've done, but by the fact that you've connected with what God is already doing in the world. See, our God is not a God who stayed off in heaven and said, you just take care of it. God is like, I'm working at this, and you are invited to join me in doing this. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the gifts. You just consent, and I will work along with you. So to be salt means to be people of justice, people of reconciliation, people who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what is needed, and how can you meet that need in your unique way. So I want to look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, this is kind of the second passage I want to look at with you. It is chapter 12, and we will be in verse 12. Now, most of you have probably heard this passage before. I want you to really pay attention to what it's saying here. It says, The body is a unit, though it is of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, I want to point out right there to start, this is beautiful because this is not the way of the world. This is, the world tries to do this but can't figure it out. It's saying whether you are Jew or Greek, slave or free, you come as you are to this body and become a part of it who God made you to be. You don't need to become someone else. We actually need you to become more of who God truly made you to be. Not who you think we want you to be. Not who the world's telling you to be. If you are a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're a Greek, you're a Greek. We need you to bring your language, your culture, your ideas, your gifts, your skills to the one body. And it is through the Spirit 
that we become one. So let's continue. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So whenever the Bible repeats something, we start to feel like, come on, man, get to the point. But actually, this is, in ancient literature, these would often be read to people. And so when they would repeat something, the idea would be they would keep hearing it and they would say, that's a main point. That's something I'm supposed to remember because they keep hitting this point. So he keeps saying, one body, many parts. There's many parts, but there's one body. But even though there's one body, there's many parts of that one body. And we're like, what is he getting at? He's saying, I don't want you to forget this point. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. So you can't choose, it says, I don't, I don't like what I am, I, I'm not a part. It says, no, you are a part. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So a few months ago, I did something, and I don't know what happened, and I tweaked something in my lower back, and I ended up like almost unable to walk. I was, I was walking like a really old person. I was either like this walking, or I was trying to stand up straight and walk, and it was weird because one little nerve got pinched, and nothing else was working right. Everything was thrown off. Sitting wasn't comfortable, laying down wasn't comfortable, walking wasn't comfortable. One little piece, something that I would almost never think about gets thrown off, and the whole thing is affected. So verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Whoa. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So this morning, I want you to hear that you are a part of this body. If you're here this morning, you are with us. And when you know Christ and the Holy Spirit is in you, it says you receive these gifts. You are a part of the body of Christ. And every single piece is needed. If we're going to love God and love others, if we're going to serve for justice and be people of renewal, we need you to be the part you are. And this isn't a talking down, like, you need to play your part while I play my part, right? No, this is saying we are each a part. The church has somewhat lost that because in the 300s, when the Roman Empire started to take over, church became more of a thing you go to and you sit and you listen when it was meant to be participatory, that we are all in this. Like, you don't go to church. Like, we should actually try and remove that from our vocabulary. You don't go to church. You are church. Like, all the time, you literally are church. You've just hired John and I to help, like, facilitate what's going on here and, and be there to encourage and strengthen. But, like, we are not the church, right? It's not like Hope Covenant is John and Phil. No. In fact, we're going to both be gone long before Hope Covenant is gone, right? Yes, hopefully. John offering in a little bit of optimism there. <laughs> oh, man. That is hopeful. That is good. No, but there's this point in which 
the body will keep going, and different people come in and out to play different parts. And I'm not saying we're going anywhere. What I'm saying is it's not about us. The church is about us. And that's what John was getting at with ownership, right? That you are an owner of this thing, not like a participant. Does that make sense? And we actually need each person in order to make the thing work. I mean, I look at church attendance across the board in the country, and it's going down at a rapid pace. And I think it's because for many, it's begun being treated as a social club. Well, I have to tell you, this isn't a very good social club. Like, for what you give in time and resources, like, in a worldly sense, you don't get enough back, right? Like, whatever you tithe, you could probably use that in other ways. But when you're an owner, when you're a part of something, then it is natural to be a part of it. So it's not like you're giving to something separate. It's not like I give to church because church is separate from me. It is, no, I give at church because I'm a part of it. Just like the hand doesn't say, oh, I give my talents to the body. Like, how are you distinguishing yourself from the arm and the head and the rest of it? You're connected to it. That's the natural function is for you to grip things and hold things and help. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. That Paul chooses this image to say, we are each a member in it. And if we refuse to play the part, everybody is going to feel it. And we don't need everybody to be everything. We need you to be you. Whatever that might look like. So maybe it's serving in children's ministry. Maybe it's serving on the worship team. Maybe it's helping out to keep the building clean. Maybe it's serving on a financial team. Maybe it's being part of a care team for when someone's sick or has lost somebody. Maybe it's volunteering at Beds or Love, Inc. Maybe it's something we haven't even thought of yet. But we need you. And I don't mean we. I mean we need you, all of us. Because if you lose your saltiness, if you stop being how God created you to be, we all suffer. That's the beauty and the difficulty about a body. The beauty is no one's in this alone. If you're here today, you're not alone. We've got you. You're with us. But at the same time, if you hide, you hurt all of us. So we need each and every one of us, to be who God made us to be, which is going to take some hard work. you got to get to know your own story. you got to get to know what are you good at? What can you do? What can you give? What is your natural way to be involved? And so I have a giftings test. If you're interested, I can print you one off. This can be a helpful practice. Even if you say, oh, no, 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 I know what my gifts are. It can be helpful to literally go through. It's like 100 questions. And you mark on, you know, very much me to very much not me. And then you score at the end. And it gives insight based on your answers to what your bent might be. And you can look at that and say, well, maybe I could serve in this way. Maybe I could be a part of the body in this way. So we thought about making everyone take it. And then I just realized that, that was going to take a lot of time and whatever. But I encourage you if, you, if you want one, I will get you one. Or you can look up one online. But take some time and reflect. Consider what are you good at? What are you passionate about? What makes you angry? I mean, I, I, I love that. I, a pastor once said, you know, Jesus gets angry, and what does he do? He heals somebody. Sometimes the way for us to find out where we should serve is what gets you riled up? 
That literally could be the Holy Spirit saying, do something then. Be a part of it. Jump in in that place. So brothers and sisters, I invite you to be you. I invite you to be the beautiful creation God made you to be, to use your gifts, to use your time, to use your resources, to be you, to bless us. Because if each of us doesn't get involved, this is never going to work. We can keep it going, right? We can keep meeting together, but it's not going to work. But if we each take up our place, that's going to be something beautiful. That's going to send a message. That's going to invite people to God's present, but not yet kingdom of God. So I invite you after service to go to one of the tables, talk to one of the people there. You're not committing to anything yet, but you're saying, I think this might be a way where I'm a part of the body. I can clean, I can be an aide in the kids program, I can play in the worship service, whatever that might be. Consider the fact that you are already a part of the body. What is God calling you to do? We need you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that we're not a mistake. That each and every one of us is made with a purpose. That some of us may be good at certain things and not others. You bring us together for your glory and honor, Lord. So encourage us, challenge us, open us to know what is our place. What are the ways we can be involved to serve one another, our community, our world, your kingdom. And by doing so, discover the life you created us to live. Enjoy the invitation to join you in the work of the kingdom for the shalom of all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Because we know